Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight we're going to talk about prophecy. Okay? Prophecy, my goodness, everybody wants to know about prophecy, right? Well, uh, you know, maybe we'll learn a little bit about prophecy tonight. We're going to be continuing our study in the book of John as we've been walking through the book of John. And tonight we're going to be in John chapter 19. Okay, uh, I will, uh, uh, I'll read from that in just a moment. But, uh, you know, just suffice it to say that the devil would like to be God. That's one of the things that the prophet said about him in Isaiah. That he wants to be God. He wants to sit on the sides of the north. You can, you can read the book of Isaiah sometime and you can find out that Isaiah, a prophet, knew what the devil's desire was. The devil wants to be God. Well, some people want to be God as well. This world system would like to be God. Through the ages, many men have allowed themselves to be worshipped as God. Whether the emperor of Japan or you know, uh, some of the current leaders of some of the uh, developing countries still want to be treated like God. They want to be God. I said earlier that men have fashioned God through the ages. They fashioned them out of wood and out of silver and gold and out of metal. You know, I mean, uh, people, you know, hang gods around their neck and worship them and hold on to them and you know, uh, there have been so many things that people have set up as God in their life. It would not take but just one trip, one missionary trip with us to go to some of the places in the world, from Nepal to India to, uh, to some of uh, the, the, the African continent and other places, even around Asia, where you find people consistently worshiping other gods they have them set up in their home in their yards they have temples and in, you know shrines to them constantly worshiping a god that man has created instead of a god that created man it's amazing how many gods are fashioned and you may say well you know uh you know uh, gosh you know uh, does every man need a god yes there's a need on the inside of us for a god there he is i mean look around the world People are worshiping all kinds of gods. There is a need on the inside of man for God. You might say, well, what about the atheist? Well, I'm going to tell you that atheism is the worst of all God complexes. That's just making me God, okay? I'm bigger than anything else, or I'm as big or bigger than anything else in the universe. However, I'm here to tell you tonight that there's only one God and only one true religion. You know, no two religions could be right think about it if you think about it just logically and remove all the spiritual dynamics out of the equation only one religion has a chance to be right only one you might say well there's a religion that says all religions are right then it if it's right then all the rest of them are wrong because you know the rest of them claim some exclusivity or say that they are a way to truth or enlightenment or a way to eternal peace or rest. You know, they can't all be right. In fact, only one can be. In order to believe one, you have to discount every other one. It just stands to reason that 
the desire we have to know our Creator, the de- desire we have to, to have uh, something uh, you know, bigger than us speaking into our life, something greater than us, some, some place beyond this world's existence, some place beyond this moment in life, something that we yearn for and look forward to. You know, it, it, it stands to reason that, of course, we search for God, and we cannot find God. God found us. We cannot create a God. Our God created us in His image. One God. One of the many reasons why we can know that the God that we serve is God is because Jehovah God, the God of the Hebrew children, the Father of Jesus Christ, the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, one of the reasons why we know He is God is that He is the only God that can predict the future with such accuracy that He has never one time missed it, not even one little bit, not one jot, not one tittle, not one, those are marks above the Hebrew language, even the little marks that they make above the Hebrew language, not one of them has fallen to the ground, rootless or fruitless. It's amazing to serve Jehovah because He knows the end from the beginning. He knows you personally. You're not striving to be one of the 144,000 saved, praise the name of the Lord. You're not locked into a predestined world and existence uh, whereby you have no choices in life. Oh, listen, God knows what you're going to do. But knowing what you're going to do and making you do it are two different things. We must understand that God knows the choices we're going to make. God knows the choices from the foundation of the world. He knew the choices you would make in life, but he did not set you up to fail. He gave you a choice. He knows the choice you'll make. He knows if you're going to sin tomorrow. He knows if you will deny Christ. He knows. Yet he loves you and he reaches out his loving arms toward you and gives you every opportunity. You're the one that makes the decision. The Bible is unfailing, unequaled, unwavering, never changing. Why? Because God said it right the first time. Do you know God does not have to apologize? He does not have to rescind. He does not have to say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, missed that one. uh, There was a a meeting going on, a rather heightened spiritual meeting in a church at one point, I understand. And, and, uh, you know, the Spirit of God was just, you know, all moving and and, uh, uh, someone jumped up a friend of mine told me about this and and said uh, you know thus saith the lord i have written michelob across thy door of course those of you that may know the scriptures that scripture is ichabod not michelob <laughs> and they, they 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 were kind of you know wanting to be a little judgmental over what was going on there and i've written michelob across thy door isn't that funny Well, uh, a little bit later, they realized what they did, and they stood up and said, Excuse me, but the Lord hath made a mistake. It was Ichabod, not Michelob. 
I'm going to tell you, the Lord, he doth not make a mistake. Okay? When he involves himself with men, many times we might add something or take something away to what he says, but the Lord is not making mistakes. He does not have to be apologetic for his word. He's not embarrassed by his word. He calls it right and true, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, if it might step on our toes from time to time, and sometimes he, you know, he steps pretty hard on our toes, but he tells the truth, and the truth is aimed at enlightening us and setting us free, and uh, we know him to be unwavering, never changing, ever unfolding in his truth and his plan. Uh, he is accurate to the nth degree in every prophecy that is made. Thousands of prophecies have been fulfilled right down to the smallest detail. And our God leaves nothing to chance. Nothing to chance. You're not a, you know, a happenstance. You're not here by coincidence. You're not watching you know, uh, out, out of your own volition. And, and you know, uh, God knows what you're going to do. But yet, God guides us and gives us opportunities to hear His Word. He puts us in certain places. He inspires us with His Word. And every prophecy is something that God wanted to tell us about so that we could have some confidence. It's not just trying to let us know what's going to happen, although that has value. The Bible says He will tell us some things before they come to pass. But God, God, God wants us to understand that He has things in his hand he is in charge he may need us to participate but he is in charge he may call upon us to to be an actor in 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 in, in the scene of one of his unfolding scenes on planet earth he wants us to participate but we have a choice but he knows what is going to happen and by the way prophecy it's only prophecy until it happens then it's life it's only prophetic and it's, it's, it's only unfolding in the future until the future get here, gets here. And then it is history. Prophecy becomes history. And we can see that the word of God that he gave to us occurred, happened, just like he said it would happen. He never fails. One of the things that should give us confidence in God is that His Word never fails. Heaven and earth pass away, but His Word will never pass away. His Word never changes. He is the only one true and living God. He knows the end from the beginning, uh, and, and He tells us things before they come to pass. Listen, uh, Jehovah Almighty is amazing. He's awesome. He's wonderful. He's powerful. Uh, he never fails. He has never had to change His Word, like I said, and He is not embarrassed by anything that He has said. He does not print retractions. This evening we're going to continue our walk through the Gospel of John. And our text is going to come, as I said, from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of John. And we will be reading a very familiar passage which can be found in all four Gospels. In fact, what we're reading tonight out of John chapter 19 can also be found in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 35. It can also be found in Mark 15 verse 24. It can be found in Luke 23 verse 34. So I think it would stand to reason that God wants to make sure that we actually read this passage, that we know what happened, and it must have some benefit for us to understand what God was saying and what God is doing here as He is sharing this with us. In John chapter 19... 
You'll recognize this most likely because it is very often read, but most often passed over. It's at the point of the crucifixion of Christ. John 19, verse 23 says this, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. Now note here that John reveals to us that there were four soldiers that were in charge of crucifying Jesus. There were four soldiers that actually nailed Jesus to the cross. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if you have yet come across that reality or, ever, or if it's ever you know, checked in your mind or if you've ever thought about it. Most likely many of you have read this passage before but you may not have actually looked at it and studied it and taken it apart to realize here that John is telling us something here that is important to God. He's giving us some detail of the crucifixion. And we can understand that there were four men assigned, four Roman soldiers assigned to crucify Jesus. And what they did to crucify him is they stripped him of his outer garment and they stripped him of his inner garment, which left him naked. This was supposed to be a part of the shame of being crucified in public was to be stripped naked and then laid down and these four men stretched him out and nailed his hands and his feet to the cross and then they would have lifted him up or nailed his hands to the feet then lifted him up and then nailed his feet however it may have been done in that particular instance law at that time granted that the executioners of any person were given that person's clothing, whatever the person may have worn to the execution. Sometimes it may have been a hat or a coat or, a, you know, or shoes or whatever that person wore, they, they were given. And, and, and if, if there was one executioner, it was his. If there were three executioners, it was theirs. And here it, it's, it's plain that Jesus went there Evidently, with an outer garment and, you know, like a robe that was slipped on, woven in one piece, as it were. Why woven in one piece? Because that's, that's the, uh, you know, that's very hard to do. Can you imagine? There wasn't a seam in it. It was seamless. How in the world do you get something seamless that you can yet put your head through and put your arms through? Isn't that amazing? But that, if you'll read... That is, is actually the way the high priest garment was supposed to be made out of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 22, we are told that, that God uh, gave Bezalel, uh, 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 Exodus 38 actually, God gave Bezalel uh, uh, wisdom in how to make this garment. And then there are still people we understand even today that, that begin this weaving and can weave one whole garment without any seam. It, it, it's, it, it, it seems amazing. But that was the, 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 the tunic. The, 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 that, that, that was the garment, this costly, very, very you know, costly, fine garment that didn't even have a seam in it. That's the garment of the high priest. Jesus was appearing as the high priest that day. He was offering himself as a perfect sacrifice, not a sinful sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice. He was not offering himself as less than perfect. He is our high priest. 
The inner garment of that day was easily divided into four pieces because it was normally made in four pieces. A front, a back, a left arm, a right arm, and it was all sewn together. And that's what you, you, you wore. And then, and then he slipped this over. With it. And in fact, Exodus says that there should be a hole with, with, with either a collar woven around it that would, you know, Aaron's head would slip through as the high priest. Interesting. The robe that Jesus was wearing, this tunic, this outer piece, the soldiers realized it was very costly. Some imagine it must have been woven by the women that followed Christ because it was expensive and it was a fine gift as we understand. So, so fine and important that they did not want to tear it. They did not want to divide it into force. And if you can imagine the Roman soldiers, you know, uh, they were wanting, I mean, this was their bounty for this extra duty, you know, crucify this guy. Well, we have regular duties, but now we're on crucifixion duties. Okay. And what we get paid for our overtime is the guy's clothes. Okay. And, uh, and so they didn't want to tear it. Verse 24. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. Garments and clothing. You know, that's, that's interesting that, you know, the scriptures had said that they will divide garments, cast lots, clothing, you know. They divided among them two separate pieces. And here we find in John chapter 19, these two separate pieces again are spoken of. Uh, why? So that the scripture might be fulfilled. You see, the passage we read, as I said, is, is, is read so many times by so many, but yet many times overlooked. Not realizing that God is hoping that we would understand a few things from this passage. One of the things to understand is that God knows the end from the beginning. We must realize that, that we serve a God who absolutely knows what's going on today in every segment of our society, in every corner of the world. He knows what's going on in Afghanistan. He knows what's going on in Washington, D.C. He knows what's going on in your home. He knows if you argue before you came to church. He knows if you're going to argue before, you know, when you get home. He knows what's going on in your life, in my life. He is God, Almighty God, we should give him the credit for him to be very, very, very aware of what's going on in our day just as much as he was aware of what was going on in Jesus' day. I'm not saying that God orchestrates problems. God does not orchestrate persecutions. God does not orchestrate problems. But God chooses in the midst of a problem. God undergirds his people. God grows his kingdom. God advances his causes even in the midst of persecutions, trials, troubles, tribulations. When you're going through something personally, sickness, disease, worry, fear, frustration, 
financial problems, relationship problems. When you are going through something personally, then God, although he is not going to be bringing cancer to you, if you are facing cancer, God is going to be right there with you. And he is going to choose to strengthen you in that time. He's going to choose to walk closer with you in that time, as close as you will allow him. He knows you need him in times of difficulty and trial. Many times we get so worried when something happens in the nation or in in the world or in our own family, something that we did not expect, something that we have not planned for, something that may be a surprise to us. But believe me, God is right there. He knew and he is prepared. He will never leave you, never forsake you. You cannot throw him a curveball. God is always prepared for anything that you are going to do. You will never catch God unprepared for anything. That's why he alone is God. One of the reasons why I'm so impressed with him is because, you know, things like Jonah, you know, here Jonah, God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, no, got on a ship and then ended up being tossed overboard and God had prepared a great fish. You know, God was prepared. He knew what Jonah was going to do. He knew before Jonah knew. You know, King Cyrus, 150 years before King Cyrus was born, God had already called him by name and prophesied what he was going to do and that the city gates would be left open. You can read it. You know, the city gates would be left open and he would come in basically without even any trouble and he would be the one that would send the children of Israel back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and and, and, and to strengthen the city. God already knew. He knew down to the very day the very second God he's amazing he knows the end from the beginning in fact over a thousand years before those soldiers cast lots for the garments of Jesus these two over a thousand years earlier God said they were going to do that very thing isn't that amazing Over a thousand years earlier, King David wrote several messianic psalms, several psalms that point to the Messiah, but one of these psalms is Psalms 22 and verse 18. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Isn't that interesting? And if you, if, you, if you look in the Hebrew, it's talking about these two pieces, these two types of garment. I mean, God knew what Jesus was going to be wearing on that day knew what he was going to be wearing, knew what they would do, that they would divide one and they would cast lots for the other. Isn't that amazing? Does that amaze anybody? Over a thousand years earlier. Wow. The fulfillment of prophecy, of just this prophecy would be enough. But the fulfillment of prophecy, uh, you know, uh, uh, It was no coincidence that Jesus showed up wearing these two things. And it was no coincidence that they divided one and that they parted the others. It was was something that that most likely they imagined was mindless. It was a mindless day. It was another day at work. It was just another moment. It was just a passing moment to them. But it was an absolute plan because God saw it. I don't know how he 
sees the end from the beginning. But he sees the end from the beginning and everything in between. You know, we imagine it's because he lives off of the line. He lives off of the timeline. And for him, there is no time. And so off the line, you can observe the line, all of it at one time. Boom. He sees it. He sees us. He sees you. He sees me. He sees us already seated in heavenly places with Christ. He sees the end from the beginning. My citizenship is in heaven, the Bible says. You know, I have been forgiven of sins, past, present, and future. Isn't that a mind blower? And yet I get so concerned over some of these things that pop up as though God can't handle it. Now, he may want me to participate, but he can handle it. He's got a plan. You know, the Roman soldiers, these four soldiers, they were not familiar with the Psalms. They were Gentile Roman soldiers occupying, uh, you know, the land, uh, you know, of, 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 of the Israelites, okay? And they, they were, uh, you know, they weren't familiar with the Bible. They probably hadn't read the Psalms. And so what they are doing, you know, there that day, they are just going through the motions unaware that they are players in, I mean, in, in, in God's world. Everybody is. And for them, it was just another day, just another passing day. But certainly, certainly there in attendance to the Son of God on that day, you would have felt something. I know later, one of the soldiers says this truly, this truly was the Son of God because he saw everything that was going on, and he realized it, and he must have felt that anointing. I mean, even when you don't know about it, you can still feel it. Even when you don't know about it, you can still participate. Even when you don't know about it, God can still use you to fulfill his will. But I look at the rest of the crowd that were there that day, not the soldiers. The soldiers were given a responsibility, one of, one of which was to you know, stay there at the cross until the person being crucified actually died because they did not want some of their friends coming along and taking them down because it was a long, painful, and arduous death, a death of suffocation um, you know, for all but Christ who evidently died. He willed, but of, of a broken heart. But... Here we have the soldiers, Gentiles, unaware of, 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 of the Psalms, unaware that they are fulfilling prophecy. But then we have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. Then we have, you know, uh, 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 the, 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 the Levites. And all of the Jews that are there at Passover from, from every nation under heaven, this is a big deal. And there's a crucifixion, and there's all kinds of people there. I mean, there, there, there are people that, 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 yay, he is Messiah, and people crucify him, crucify him. All of them Jews, all of them every, you know, every festival, every feast, every day, prayers, every day, the Word of God, the Psalms. The Psalms. Do you know how many times they had heard Psalms 22? Do you, know, I mean, do you know how many times the priests, the Levites, the scribes, the Pharisees had read that Psalms? I mean, I don't know how many times. I mean, if I'd been standing there, okay, because in, in verse 16 of that same Psalms, it, it, it says, uh, 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 well, I'll, I'll just tell you what it says. It, it says, they pierced my hands and my feet. Then they, cast, then they divided my garments and cast lot for my clothes. If I had been standing there, this guy says he's Messiah. 
And then they pierced his hands and feet, and then they divided his garments, and then they cast lots. I think I would have went, ding, Psalms 22, ding. Woo, uh-oh, whoa, wait, hold on a second, you know. I mean, how about you? Do you imagine that? Well, none of them did. Do you imagine that, that, that if you saw prophecy unfolding in your lifetime, in real time, right in front of you, can you imagine what it would be like to turn on the TV and see prophecy unfolding right in real time before your eyes? Can you imagine what it would be like to go to YouTube or a newspaper or, or some other news outlet and see prophecy, what the Bible has said, unfolding in real time right before your eyes? Of course you can. You see it every day. If I had have been there at the cross and had witnessed that, I think I could have went, ding, that, <laughs> that rings a bell. I think I would have stepped back and went, whoa, I am in the middle of a God thing. Oh, God, what do you want me to do, not do? I mean, I'm in the middle of a God thing. You don't want to touch a God thing, and you don't want to not touch it if he wants you to touch it. You kind of want to touch it if he wants you to and not touch it. You kind of want to just watch it. But when you, when you realize that you are in the middle of a miracle, when you realize that you're in the middle of a God thing, when you realize that you're in the moment whenever you're leading someone to the Lord and they're just all of a sudden getting gloriously saved and, and something, how do you, you kind of just don't want, to, don't want to mess it up, you know? You kind of want to do whatever you can to help it, but you don't want to mess it up. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, Peter was in the middle of a God moment. He pulls out his sword and lops off the ear of one of the Roman soldiers, and Jesus said, no, 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 don't mess this up. Jesus went down to John the Baptist to be baptized in the Jordan River, and John the Baptist said, nope, don't want to touch that. Jesus said, you got to touch it. Come on. You know, sometimes it's participate like this, and sometimes it's participate like that. Sometimes it's stand there and let it happen, and sometimes it's make it happen. And you just don't ever know. You just kind of go, whoa, you know, prophecy is unfolding. Let me tell you, prophecy is unfolding right now. As we stand on planet Earth, we are in a unique time, a time like never before, and prophecy is unfolding and many times people like Roman soldiers are down on their knees or looking down or about their busy day and they don't even know it because they don't know the word. Sometimes they catch a little glimpse of it and say, you know, God's doing something. But the rest of us who have studied the word of God day in and day out for years have come to church and heard the preaching. We should recognize that God is doing something in our world today. Amen. Was that too fast? I need to repeat that. I'm passionate about it. You know, God knows the end from the beginning. And it's only prophecy until it happens and then it's life. God prophesied what was going to happen up until today. Now it's history. And in the morning we get up, let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to step right in to the most prophetic days of our life, the most prophetic unfoldings of God's will. They're, 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 the only time that I could liken this to would be the crucifixion of Christ. The way the body of Christ was treated, the way what, what happened in that last few days before the crucifixion and the resurrection, we are in a season when the body of Christ is going through something similar to those days. Many are saying this is the only way and others are saying crucify. We're in a very unique time in history. It's not just another generational transition. Number one, God knows the end from the beginning. Let me move along. Number two, God never takes his watchful eyes off of the body of Christ. 
Every prophecy is fulfilled to the nth degree. Not one jot, not one tittle will fail. God ensures that nothing is left out. You know, what does it feel like to have a copy of tomorrow's newspaper? What would you bet on a game that had already been played? If I could give you a copy of tomorrow's newspaper, you know what I would do if I had a copy of tomorrow's newspaper? Many of you know what I would do. I would go to the sports section and I would see who won everything that was going on and I would bet the farm on them. I would bet everything I got. I mean, I would bet every cent. I would, you know, borrow all I could. I would tell all my friends and all my family. I would tell everybody I could, listen, this one is going to win. You need to bet everything. Bet everything. Bet everything. Bet everything you got. Borrow all you can and bet everything you got and tell all your friends because I know who the winner is. I got a copy of tomorrow's newspaper. Well, guess what? I know who the winner is and I got a copy of tomorrow's newspaper and I'm betting everything I got on this. And I want to tell all my friends and all my family, bet everything you got. I want to tell people I meet on the street, bet everything you got. God's moving. Monday we had a man come to the office. And uh, I went and met, I met him. I saw him walking across the parking lot. And so I went to the door just to say hi. He's, you know, probably, I don't know how old he is, 70 maybe. Got out of a truck that was that does that is commercial type of truck, and he and he came and he wanted to give us a bid on doing some work uh, at, uh, outside at our building and around everything. And I said okay, and you know please feel free to give a bid, and we'll you know, and so he said okay, and we uh, you know shook hands, and he he went back out toward his pickup, and I just felt the spirit of God. I just I just went out there and followed him out outside, and I walked out there toward his pickup, and I said excuse me sir, but you know. I said, listen, the anointing of God is on your life. There's a call of God on your life. You are right where you are supposed to be. You are doing what you... I said, let me tell you, sir, you can get in places that I can't get into. You are trusted. I'm a preacher. What I told him is... You are good for nothing. I'm good for something. People imagine that I tell people about Jesus because I get paid to do it. That's what they imagine when I start talking about Jesus. They find out I'm a preacher. I said, but you have credibility that I can't gain with this world. And let me tell you, you are right where you should be. There's a calling and anointing of God on your life. You're right where you should be. God has you in the ministry right where you are. You need to get bold. In the places that you go in to give bids, you need to take Christ in with you. And you need to be a light. And you need to begin to tell people the truth. Just be honest with them. You're believable. There's anointing on your life. I trust you and you're believable. He said, you know, when I was a young man, I, I went to school in Oklahoma, Christian University, to be a preacher, to be in the ministry. But I abandoned it as a young man. He said, and just recently I've been telling my wife, I need to quit what I'm doing and I need to get back into the ministry. I said, don't you quit what you're doing. You're in the ministry. You have a ministry. You're right where you're supposed to be. And he just, you know, tears came. Just, you just need to remember that you are a minister. And you're where God has you right now for a reason. And you need, and he, he okay, so, you know, he said, okay. And he started to walk off and, you know, get in his car. And 
You know, it, it was just a great time. And then he turned around and he came back. He said, would you pray for my son? I said, tell me about your son. He said, he's 50 years old. He's got COVID and he's in the hospital. And then he just said, and he couldn't talk for a long time. He began to weep. And I began to weep. Just the Spirit of God was all over us. Right out there in the parking lot. And he said they don't expect him to ever come home. I just took him and we hugged and I began to pray for his son. We wept and we prayed and we prayed. We got finished. He, like two men do that don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> he said, no. He walked off. I understand he came back yesterday when I wasn't here and his son's going home yesterday or was going home. Is that right? Yeah. Wanted to, you know, let me tell you, God is doing things in today's world. Be bold, be strong, be, be encouraged that even in the midst of what looks like chaos and confusion and, you know, um, you know God never takes his eyes his watchful eyes off the body of Christ. It may take a long time for God to make heroes, but let me tell you what. He is working on every one of us. Number three, no man escapes the perfect plan of Almighty God, whether you're a soldier and a Roman army that knows nothing about him or whether you're a Levite and high priest, whatever you may be in in any situation, no man escapes the perfect plan of God from the seemingly lowest to the, to the apparently you know, of important people of the world. No man escapes participating in the plan of God. Number four, prophecies are unfolding in real time right before our eyes today. We live in a unique time. The plan of God is unfolding. He has a plan. He will succeed. And we have a chance to participate. That could, you know, that could never be more real than today in our lives. We have a chance to participate. I don't know what that means. Sometimes it'll mean get engaged, and sometimes it'll mean pray, and sometimes it'll mean support. It, 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 but, but we need to be close enough to God that we can hear His voice and be faithful. Our job is just to be faithful to God. I'll give you three things really quickly. That, in, that, 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 uh, that, you know, faithfulness includes. There are a lot of things, but number one, faithfulness includes Bible study. If you are not currently engaged in studying your Bible, then let me encourage you to study your Bible. Study it. Yeah, yeah, yeah read it, but get into some Bible study, some type of study. Study your Bible, okay? God will bring all things back to your remembrance, whatever he's told you. You don't want to be standing at the cross and God doing something right beside you and you claiming to be a child of God and know his word and not realize what's happening. You don't want to be living in this day and turn on the television or pick up a, a, a news article and be standing right beside something that God is doing and God not be able to prick your consciousness and take you to his word and tell you what's going on, encourage you and strengthen you. We live in very extraordinary days. And if you're going to participate with God in your highest calling, you need to know the word of God. Study your Bible. If you you know, work with God. He's making heroes. Work with God. It takes time, but
but work with God. Number one, study your Bible. Number two, prayer. Faithfulness includes prayer. It includes a time when we can get together with God and talk to Him. Jesus, even though He was the Son of God, yet He prayed. In fact, it's been said that Jesus went from the place of prayer to the place of prayer, and in between those times, He did miracles and He worked the works of God. He participated with God going you know, to prayer and on His way from prayer. And number three, you know, uh, we, we need number one Bible study, number two prayer, number three, we need obedience to God. That's what faithfulness includes. Faithfulness will include obedience to God in your daily personal life, spirit, soul, and body. What is God saying to you spiritually? What is God saying to you mentally? What is God saying to you that you need to change and renovate and renew your mind? What is God saying to you about your body, about your physical strength? and abilities to 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 run with him to be to you know what is god saying to you obey god obey god when it comes to your family and your friends and even your enemies what does god say that you should do about your enemies what does god say that you should do and interact with your friends and with your family then it's time to obey him we live in very difficult and desperate times for the world we need to obey god we need to obey god in our local community as i said a couple of few weeks ago you know some of you need to get more engaged in the community more engaged in our school more engaged in our in our uh, community in city affairs and county affairs and and state and national affairs you need to uh, become involved and obey God when it comes to your historical culture and those that you can influence who are in the same cultural group or aspect or or concerns that you share you need to be an influence you need to obey God when it comes there you need to obey God in your home church your home church needs to be strong we need to be strong we need to make sure we are a light shining around the world our church needs to be strong and you can be a part of that bible study prayer and obeying god where you are today not waiting until you get somewhere else to obey god every person will be called upon to play a part from the roman soldier to the high priest I just want to know the part I'm playing. I want to know when God is using me. I want to know when he's doing something around me. That's going to take me being conscious of his word. It's going to take me having a fellowship with him in prayer. It's going to make, you know, take an aspect of me obeying him instead of trying to get him to obey me. Me following his lead. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.